Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that is increasingly wondering whether we should change our name. Because... <laughs> As we all know, there is no cinema around. I am. My name is Tosin. I am your host for the evening. Oh, whenever it is, when time of the day is, you're listening to this. And um, yes, I am based up in Bromsgrove in the UK, in the Midlands. And joining me as ever on the Isle of Wight are Sharon, hello, and Sean. Hi, yeah. Uh, hi guys, hi guys. Yeah, you know, it, it is. Oh it's, yeah, it's funny. It's one of these things I have actually been thinking of. I have actually been wondering: should we change the name of the podcast? Can we do that, or should we just hold out hope? And should we just sort of like you know be like the ones who held out for cinema to come back? Let's be <laughs> let's be the holdouts. Let's be the holdouts. Holdouts, so holdouts. We will keep. Oh, we, we'll be like yes until cinema comes back. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. <laughs> But, but speaking about that, okay, every now and then on this podcast, what we tend to do is that we tend to, well, when the cinemas were around, we would go and we would watch usually three things in a cinema, and we would watch three things at home, and we would rate them all out of five, and we would weigh up where have we gotten the best bang for our buck this week. Has it been at Netflix or has it been at the cinema? And um, I, and every now and then we try and go a little bit philosophical, and I think I sent you guys uh, an article last week. Which I think Sharon, I know you read. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure whether Sean, you got a chance to read it. No, I probably didn't get a chance to read it. It was talking about Netflix's staggering slate of new films that escalates the streaming wars, and mm-hmm. yeah. So Sharon, what do you remember about? Because it was talking about the fact that Netflix has essentially gone. You know what? We're going for this thing, and they essentially just thrown a whole bunch of. They essentially said that for all of 2021, they're going to have a new film premiering every single week. And, wow. And these are... Sorry, sorry, Karen and Sharon. No, what I was going to say is my only um, thought that lingers with me, having read the article last week, is that there's a tendency to go for quantity rather than quality. Yeah. I think. Yeah, and, and it, it's funny because one of the funny things I found about, the, about it was how they referred to Netflix as a studio. I'm not sure whether you picked that up, Sharon. Because they were talking yes. about... Yeah, they're, they're talking about the fact that, you know, like Warner Brothers and Disney and all that. They said even in the years where they're really, really prolific, they only ever make 19 films or like the ma- maximum they've made is 19 films. Mm. But Netflix is essentially saying we're going to make 52 films. And these are not just sort of like run of the mill nonsense or it or like, you know, we're going to make 52 Christmas movies. This is like films with The Rock, with Gal Gadot, with Ryan Reynolds, with sort of like top class talent. And people, one of the part, things that they were saying was that Netflix is essentially keeping the industry afloat because it's employing all these people in the midst of this. Where whereas, like a lot of the other studios have essentially shut everything down, Netflix is going, no, we're going to make more original content. We're going to make loads of it, and uh, yeah, go ahead. So that there's actually people. Uh, so it's propping up the industry until cinemas come back. And yeah, it, it was it was a weird thing, but also I'm also thinking, yeah, I guess this is the time that we're living in. And now, Sean, yeah. Sean, I know that you have your issues with Netflix original content. I do. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, so I was, I was going to say that is that I expect we will get a lot of dross. And, you know, it, you, you, it doesn't matter how good the actors are, how good the directors are. I mean, um, you know, the films, the, I don't know, Six Underground and The Five Bloods and the, I, I mean, even The Irishman was, was a bit self-indulgent. So, yeah. you know, and none of, no, they're not ones that I would ever think, 
oh wow what a what a masterpiece that was oh wow how good was that um and it's just you know i, I don't know i don't know I, i'm i'm a bit of despair there might be the odd one or two little jewel in the crown but it reminds me in some ways of the early days of video. Then we're all old enough to remember going to the video shop yeah. where there were a lot of films that were released direct to video. They bypassed, they, when yeah. that, that platform arrived, they bypassed the cinemas. And I remember, and then there's the odd film that you think, actually, when you look back now, like Dirty Dancing, for example, was a direct-to-video release, but it became huge. Yeah. But the output at that time for just direct-to-video films was immense. And it was the odd one that filtered through to like the, the wider consciousness. And I think it's the same kind of thing that was happened with, with Amazon Prime and Netflix and HBO Max, I think, to a certain degree, is that they're going to pump out all this stuff and then maybe you'll get the old one that will, you know, rise its head above the parapet for the, that will go outside of its own platform. Because there's the old film that people go, oh yeah, I've heard of that. Even though it may not be one that they've seen, they'll have like, oh yeah, it'll, it'll sort of filter its way out into the wider world. I think we're going to be in a similar situation until the cinemas start sort of punching their own weight again. We are going to be swimming in a direct yeah, I mean, they're going to rely, content. they're going to... Re- <laughs> That's it. They're going to re- rely on the stars and the directors as like, you know, to pull people in to say, oh, look who's directing that. That's a Spike Lee film or oh, that's a Danny Boyle film. Or, but I don't think that's going to work because a lot of people, a lot of people won't give a monkey's. They just look at the title, look at the film. Oh, look, that's got Ryan Reynolds in. Yeah, should we see what that's like? It's not going to be a, do you know what I mean? It's not well, going to be like, is. oh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, really looking forward to this film. Okay. Oh, there's a Ryan Reynolds film there. Oh, there's a, Robert De Niro film there. Oh, there's, you know what I mean? It's not going to be that excitement. It's going to be, oh man, I'm really looking forward to the new James Bond movie, you know? And they're not going to know because Netflix is not, I don't think, particularly good at showing their stuff anyway. You know, you go on there and it's like, ah, oh, we got this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay well okay uh, uh i think I'll, I'll try to address some of those things i think sean it's actually quite funny because i think you're right i think if uh and then when it comes to netflix originals i think that if the director is well known then you're it's well you're you're more likely to get a disappointing film because if the director yeah. is well known i think that they let them do whatever it is that they want i still think that my for instance my for my money one of the best netflix originals is a film called see you yesterday and this is made by a guy who i don't even remember his name <laughs> i don't remember the name of the but there's there's i don't recognize anybody in the film but i'm like this is actually like a good film so it's almost as if like he he, he put like his heart and soul into it and he hasn't gone anywhere in his career to get to be self-indulgent but then you have like some of the bigger ones even someone like um olivier megaton who did um the last days of american crime or something like that i think sean you saw even something mm-hmm. like that because he's 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 not like a Scorsese or anything like that, but he's he's well known. He has a following, and I think that they go, oh, yeah, yeah, go do what you want. And there is there isn't that sort of push and pull that you're required to make something good. And the 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 other thing I think that um uh that Sharon you were you were saying about um straight to video thing. I remember when we were having our the interviews that we were doing where we would interview a film buff every week. And I go back a while. That was one of the ones. One of my friends, Wale in uh, Sheffield, who I interviewed on the show, and he said that he actually thought that the film, you know, the two-hour film experience, is not something that works particularly well at home. 
that the two-hour film experience is about going out to an event, going out to a darkened room, sitting down somewhere and watching something. And it's funny that when you look at all the things that have hit big on Netflix that people are started talking about that have essentially been blockbusters on Netflix, it's never films. It's always like a miniseries or a TV show yeah. or yeah. Tiger King or a Queen's Gambit or something like that. It's always it's always a TV shows that everybody starts talking about. The films, as Sean says, they show up and they disappear with almost no trace. And yeah. it's almost it's, because... It's, of, it's, yeah, sorry, Sean, go. It's a good point, that. And yeah, it, I mean, that's brilliant, Tozin. That's absolutely brilliant what you've said there because that's, that's exactly right. And I think the other thing is, like on Netflix... Where, where as you go to the cinema, you get the trailers, don't you? And you think, oh, oh, I really want to catch that. Oh, oh, that looks a load of rubbish. You don't, you won't get that in Netflix. You won't, so you won't really, really know unless you're average. You're, you're not really going to know what's, what you know, what's there or what's coming or what's well, about. It's just well, going to be a random thing. They've started doing the whole thing. They've been doing it for a while where it immediately starts playing a trailer. If it's an Netflix, yeah, it immediately starts those. playing a trailer and it starts telling you this is a film that you might mm. want to watch. But the problem is, unlike other trailers, you can skip these ones and can go, what? I didn't ask you to start playing. Get out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> which is what I tend to do quite often. I tend to just go, nope, don't want to see that. But I didn't ask you to play. Although one of the films that we're going to talk about today, I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that it was switch on Netflix. The first thing came up on a banner, said, watch this. And Sharon went, yeah, all right then. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, actually, you're actually right. This is how I ended up watching that. Every time I turned on Netflix, it was like, watch this. I was just like, oh, okay, I'll give in. And I was just watching it. <laughs> okay. But I also get I'm... the emails. I don't know if you get the emails, but I get, this is coming soon. And you can mm. you can tick the ones you'd want to be reminded of. And I I've been I did I went through some of those every month you get one and you get like these hundred titles are coming to Netflix in January and I go oh yeah that one looks okay that one looks okay and so I end up getting and then as soon as they appear I get a dozen text messages saying did you know that this is now on Netflix <laughs> yes. and I'm just thinking oh please it, it's it's I'm worse like, well, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's worse if you have the Netflix app if you have the Netflix app on your phone or your tablet it actually yes sends I think that's you... why I have it. Yeah, it's, it'll send you something and you get something like, these 67 titles are coming soon. And you can scroll yeah. through it and watch trailers for all these things and see whether you want to watch them or whether you know. Sometimes it's good because there's films that I've wanted to watch for ages that I haven't found anywhere. And nowadays, I'm not paying to watch a film when I already have like four or five different streaming platforms I have access <laughs> to. I'm like, why, why should I go pay extra money to rent a film? So... So the so that those are actually quite helpful. So, uh, but but every now and then you might see a Netflix original that you're like, oh, that looks interesting. But I've there's so many of them, and I think part of the problem is that there's just so much stuff on Netflix that they have to churn through it. They have they can't keep anything. They can't do like you know a cinema does and says this will be a marquee film for two weeks because there's too much other stuff coming on. So it's like this will be a marquee stuff for two days, and then that's it. Next, yeah. <laughs> next. I have to add things to my list so that if I don't want to watch it right then, it will. I can find it. Because yes. often you think, what about that thing? And then you just can't find it. You, you can't remember um, what it was you were even looking for. <laughs> yeah. And you think it was something about, and you go looking for, I don't know, they say drama films, or I get a lot of those um, historical films or European history films. Or, yeah. Because I watch all sorts of random stuff. And it says, oh, you might like this. And you think, no, I wouldn't like that. <laughs> like the film that I just watched. <laughs> okay. So it's a bit random. But you're all right about the series. I mean, I've noticed that Bridgerton has been hitting 
huge numbers of, yes. of viewers. Yes. It's like, it's like, like the tens of millions have seen um, at least one episode of Bridgerton, which... Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think if you think about it, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Netflix have, are running like pretty much a hit a month, like a hit TV series a month. Mm. But the films are just disappearing. And it, it made me think because I know when, when Wale said it, he said that he thinks the two hour film is just like is made for cinema. I was thinking, I don't see what you're on about. But now I'm like, actually, you know, second, the data doesn't lie. I think he might be right. <laughs> I yeah. think he might be onto something. So if, if anybody wants to read the original um, article that kicked this whole thing off, it is on The Guardian online. So it's a Guardian opinion and it's called Netflix's staggering slate of new films escalates the streaming wars. Right. Shall we get on to talking about what we've seen this week? Yes. Mm. Sean, I noticed that you were making some notes of something. What are you going to say that? Oh, no, it was just about the trailers. I was saying about the trailers. That was all just all like right. when we talk about Netflix. So I, I, cause the trouble is what happens with me is my mind sort of shoots off at all tangents and I totally forget. Well, so I think I'm going to say, what was that? What was that? So I thought I'd make a little note just to remind all mind right. myself, you know, All right, because cool. generally I just go from the in mind. All right. Good stuff. Uh, now we're going to go this. Um, so obviously we usually talk about six things. I think we're going to I've narrowed. I've seen quite a bit in the last week, but I've narrowed it down to two. Mm. I've narrowed it down to two because, well, we have to go and have lives otherwise, otherwise than recording this thing for a while. So, yeah. um, but let's kick off with the thing that we mm -hmm. spoke about. We've already mentioned it. We've already alluded to it. We've alluded to this big thing that came up with a big banner and kept shoving it in Sharon's face. And Sharon went, and I'm, I'm, this makes me a bit sad for Anthony Mackie because usually <laughs> what happens is I've started doing this really weird thing that whenever any one of you sees something and reviews it on the podcast before I've had a chance to see it, I just lose any impetus to watch it. So Anthony yeah, Mackie... Like, it's been done. It's been done. <laughs> <clears throat> Anthony Mackie, I've, I, I actually put this on my list and everything. I was like, oh, that looks like it might be interesting. But Sharon, you actually went through with it. You clicked on this and decided to watch Outside the Wire. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's an. Uh, it is. It's the latest. This is you know. Watch this this week, please. Yeah. Um, film. Um, outside the wire. Basically, it's set in the future. Um, twenty thirty nine. Um, Eastern Europe has been riven by a series of civil wars in the area of the of the Ukraine, and it's like Ukraine Russia, and they have set up a demilitarized zone where the U.S. military have moved in as peacekeepers, and they have developed a. Um, different technology. Part of them is like a robotic soldier who is basically like a grunt. They're like the infantry. You send them in, they kill anything that's moving, yeah. and then you get those sort of your live soldiers move in. And then they've taken that a step further where they are developing like a, a biotech hybrid, which is like a human, humanoid um, soldier that's more independently of thinking. And it's not a spoiler to say that Anthony Mackie's character because you see it in the trailer you, you see is it on the poster sort of, <laughs> yeah is this sort of like biotech soldier so he is he can think he can feel he can he can he has can respond to pain and to different stimulus but effectively he's a a high grade piece of tech and he has been assigned an assistant who is a young officer who has spent the last three years of this sort of peacekeeping conflict as a drone pilot he has got a thousand hours drone flying but he's never actually been on the ground yeah and so he is like an eye in the sky and he makes these decisions to say okay i'm going to take the shot or i'm gonna sometimes above the, the instincts of the people on the ground he can see 
you know, the bigger picture. And he says, well, I can make a decision and I can decide whether this many casualties is an acceptable collateral damage in the operational targets. And so he makes a decision right at the beginning of the film that has sort of far-reaching consequences. So I won't go too much into that, but the consequences do have a knock-on effect for the rest of the film. And because of this decision, he is sent to work with Anthony Mackie's character. Right. Um, um, Captain Leo. Okay, so now this this film, um, I've got to be honest with you, I've seen the trailer, I've seen the poster, and I'm expecting nothing because this film looks mega, mega by the numbers action. <laughs> it looks... And you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so tell us anything else to write home because it's the kind of film that you watch the trailer and you kind of think, I feel like I know exactly what's going to happen here. I do... It does that to a certain point, and then it does sort of veer off. And because because up until halfway through, I was thinking, yeah, this is yeah, and this is like step, you know, sort of A, then to B, then to C, then Color to D, numbers. then to Hey, we're going to have a conclusion, and it sort of by and it sort of follows the same pattern, and then it suddenly goes off. But then, and you think, oh, this is going to be interesting, and then in some ways, it sort of veers back to predictable again. And it looked like it was going to do something a bit different at the end. And then it, it just veered back to predictable. <laughs> so I got to the point where I was thinking, oh, that would be interesting if they actually do that. Yeah. Um, so it was, yes, I just think there's some things that films made for, uh, intended for an American audience primarily, they just won't do. Oh, yeah. I think had it been made by a European or any other culture, really, not necessarily a European director, even if it had been like a Korean director or a Chinese director, I think they 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 have a view of the world that it is, is just different to the American view of the world. And I think they are prepared to make the, the difficult sort of storylines to make a point, whereas I think the Americans, they I think they just shy away from it. They get to the point where they're saying, we're going to be bold, and then they just aren't. Yeah. And so I think it would have been a more interesting film had they made the bold choices towards the end it's, of the it's film. Like, we, we, they... we, we'll do enough to show you that we could be bold, that we have the capacity to be bold, but here's the happy ending. We're so... going to think about the bigger <laughs> picture, and then we're just going to collapse that picture in on itself. Yeah. So... It had interesting things to say. A few times I was thinking, oh, how long, much longer is this going on for? And then occasionally I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. It'd be like, oh, okay. How much longer is this going on for? And so <laughs> it did drill, it did reel me in, and then it sort of let me go again. Okay. So they had that sort of all the way through. All right, okay, just before I ask you what your star rating for it is, what you, it's funny what you said about like American films versus, let's say, British films. And my brother has this thing where... My brother is currently going through a Fast and Furious marathon where he is, and he's, I, I know, Sean, I know, Sean, Sean, you, you might want to, you might want to switch off on, or whistle for 30 seconds. Sorry, right, right. I'll listen, I'll listen. So it's like, so he's going through a Fast and Furious marathon, and he's actually introducing the Fast and Furious to my nephew, who is getting really into cars. Like, my nephew can tell you everything about all the supercars and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm actually kind of shocked. And, um... And so he loves it because he's like, oh, my God, things are blowing up. I love this film. I can watch it with my brain off. <laughs> it's, and he lo- <laughs> and, but, and, but whenever he has a film, he's like, uh, and he has this whole thing where he's like, oh, British movies, I hate them. I hate British movies. They, they can't have a happy ending. They can't let you have a happy ending. Why can't they let you have a happy ending? <laughs> so 
there's films that he watches there's sometimes like when he hears a film is british he is so scared of watching it he refused because he's like it's not going to have a happy ending because that's just the worldview there is no happy ending whatsoever he says i don't it's like because he's okay he's a doctor he works in a hospital he sees people die from covid every single day he's like i don't need to go home and have another no. bleak thing that happens i have enough of that at work no. give me something big and bombastic and totally unrealistic that i know is unrealistic but i can lose myself in but it's funny that you 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 see that whole thing about american films versus most other places in the world where the way they make the, the way they make their films yeah so all right uh how many stars would you give outside the wire i would give it a three mm. i did consider lowering that to a two because i don't often give a two for films unless i hate them i didn't hate it it had some interesting things to say which basically elevated it to a three certainly wouldn't ever go higher than that um but yeah, because of the the sort of the my sort of dissatisfaction with elements of it, I would say it's scraped into the three zone for me. Yeah, and and I can say, is I, there any action in it? So is, there, is there much in the way of? Oh yeah, lots of, of shooting, shoot, kicking, shoot, fighting, is there? jumping about. Yeah, right. they used. Uh, they very. It was obviously because he's like a heightened individual. He's got yeah. strength and agility and speed. They do use that really, really well. So there are some fight scenes that have a little bit of the John Wick about them, you know, where they, they're they like using the whole environment. So it isn't just like bish, bash, bosh. Oh, yeah. It's like the walls, the, the heat, banisters, stairs. He uses the whole 360 environment. So you do get that far more. Um, you can see this is a person who isn't defined by the fact how high they can jump because they can can jump and kick and punch and they are agile they can they're aware of what's around them so some of the fighting scenes were probably the better bits but after a couple of minutes I well I'm a bit like <laughs> yeah I think outside the wire that I always feel like outside the, the the very best that film could ever hope for was a three so I guess yeah. it's it's, <laughs> it's achieved its full potential I guess you can put it that way yeah. if I'm going to, if and I'm going in to... a week's time we'll forget that it was on there it will just disappear like it so many others it will disappear into the ether and then we'll be like oh my god what oh yeah there's something else we were supposed to talk about the, uh, <laughs> all right cool so that's the time up for us at the wire and now yeah. Sean we're going to go to you and you have seen the high note I believe the high note yes yes this, yeah. um, I mean Go on in. Yeah, we're going to say something. I'm just going to. No, I, or do you I, want me to just go? No, I, I feel like I've heard of this film. I feel like I've heard of this film. I think it might have been released during the lockdown, but I think I've heard of this film. Just tell me, what is it? Okay, yeah. Well, well, it's um, it's basically it's like a um, uh, uh, singer. Uh, she's getting on a bit middle aged. She's become middle aged, but she's a really, really famous singer. Played by Tracy Ellis Ross. Obviously, yes. And um, you've, you've got. Uh, Dakota Johnson, who is like um, yeah. like a trailer. producer, she wants to produce her. She wants to say, "Let's." So you've seen the trailer, yeah. So she wants to produce yeah. and all that. And obviously, the, the the record company is saying, "No, you need a residency in Las Vegas." You know what I mean? And yeah, and yeah. They, they have a bit of a they have a they have a bit of a falling out, shall we say? And uh, but during the meantime, she's met this young young guy in uh, in the uh, pub who sings really really well and gets invited to the party and and so she sort of says oh can i produce you and all that you know he's not very famous although he looks quite wealthy he's, he's sort of he's quite opulent but um so anyway she she sort of produces him said oh it's really really good and all that and then uh she goes back to the character the um tracy ellis character who's yeah. who's playing grace and says um 
you, you know, the, I really want to produce you. And she says, well, no, I'm going to fire you because you're no good. I'm going to take that residency in Las Vegas. So basically she goes home to, to, and her father's a DJ, an old DJ in a, in a, on a radio show. And so she's This is the, the Dakota Johnson character. And yeah, Dakota Jones character. Yeah. Maggie, Maggie. So she goes home to her father um, who's the guy in who plays the father? He's the guy who was in. Um, he played the president in Independence Day. Oh, Bill I forget Pullman. his name. Oh, Bill Pullman. Um, yeah, that's it. Bill Pullman. Yeah, Bill Pullman's like a, a dad, and and obviously she knows so much about the music industry. She's she's really clever. And then th- this young the young lad turns up to you know well, be produced so and everything else the like film that. Are and we then sure now at this point. We're getting towards we're getting towards the the, the end now. So, basically, I mean, it's 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 really sort of mel, mel you know, it's a uh, there's it's it's just like the politics of the music industry, really, to start with. You know, it's okay. just that's basically, and it, I think it's been seen before. You know, this is where we want to go. This is where we want to go. And someone saying, "Well, you'd be better to go this way. You'd be better to go this way." Yep. So anyway, in the end, Grace decides that yeah, well, she, sure, sure, at the, the end, she the listens end to some of the. Oh no. No, okay. I won't I won't I won't spoil the end of the film. So there is there is quite an interesting twist in it. So okay. yeah, I mean it was I ended up sort of watching it and I and I I got hooked by it. I don't know why. I'm finding myself more and more becoming like after watching some films and that, I'm becoming myself really disenamored with films and I'm becoming more interested in other stuff. Like um so uh, although the film's there, I'm. I, um, oh wait, okay. Well, there's this. This it's called um, the uh, the Hollywood Reporter, and they have like the these round tables with all directors that are there talking. I mean, they're yeah. quite old. They're going back to like 2017, 2016. Yeah, yeah. So, and one happen. of the actors, one you've got Sam, Sam, Sam. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going on to them, and there was this one with Sam Jackson and and Will Smith and William Defoe, and uh, and they're all sort of talking. And, uh, you know, it's it's just really, really interesting. So I've really, really been getting into that. And I've watched quite a few. I've watched, watched the comedians one. But it was really funny that I didn't realise that Will Smith turned down the role for Django. Django oh, yeah, Unchained. Did, yeah. Yeah, I didn't did. realise that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he's saying, and it was like, yeah, well, you know, no Samuel L. Jackson's giving him a bit of hard time. And, <laughs> and they asked him about that. And it's just a really, really, and I'm finding myself becoming more interested in that than I am and actually trying to watch movies or trying to watch a film. So, you know, I'm, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where we're going to go with this. And I've also been watching, I've been watching stuff like um, all the different Doctor Who's, you know, like there's this, this guy that's doing all. So I'm becoming more of watching YouTube than I am of movies or TV series. Yeah. So do you think that's because I don't know, of, I've lost. Do you think that's because of the lack of cinemas? Yes, I think it is. Yeah, I really, really do. And I'm, I'm you know, and I mean, there's nothing really that's, I mean, I've watched a couple of films. I watched, um, as I say, I think we said in the last podcast, I watched Miss Juneteenth, which, yes, which I yes. thought was, yeah, which we didn't, you know, which we didn't talk about. You told me you were going to see that and then we were going to chat about it. Oh, so, because God. that's a really interesting film. That was a great one, that one. I'd like you to see that because okay, next week, next week, Miss Juneteenth. Next week, yeah, <laughs> Miss Juneteenth. So, so yeah, I enjoyed that one and I've been watching, I don't know if it's <laughs> to do with that. Anyway, and and I did watch this other film called Burden, which, yeah, but I yeah, mean, that's yeah, an old yeah, one, yeah. like a 28 one. We'll, You've seen that, have you? No, no, no. We'll, we'll talk about Burden in a second. Oh, but, okay, okay. Yeah, but but I'm thinking, I'm thinking, thing. uh, uh, yeah, go on. yeah. I was just gonna say that the fact that you started off talking about the high note, and then you've sort of like 
you, you divulged yeah. you, you, that you've lost Diverted. interest you've lost interest in the review of site talking about other things makes me think that you might have lost interest in the film itself <laughs> I, I i think i probably did it became that it was just i'd watched it so far and i just thought um sheer well, bloody mindedness till the end yeah sheer bloody mindedness i'm gonna watch it till the end i mean yeah i think it was all right i think it was you know I, it's it just happened to be on. It's one of those things that happened to be on. I thought, oh, that's it. What's this? The high, I was sort of flicking for. I thought, oh, the high note. I watch it. I thought, oh, you know, this looks quite interesting because um, I'm quite interested in the music industry anyway. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so when it was just on, I thought, so, oh yeah, well, I watched this through. But I wasn't, I wasn't like, like, oh, do you know what I mean? I wasn't yeah. like you, really, you were, really you invested, invested in, it. in it. So how many stars? No. How many stars would you end up giving Miss Juneteenth? Well, I'd probably... Oh, no, not Miss Juneteenth, because we oh, haven't sorry, reviewed sorry, it. High note. High note, yeah. yeah. The high, high note, I'd probably give a uh, three-star, I expect. Probably a three-star. You know, just the... It was there. And I, and I think it probably would be all right if someone had watched it. I think if at the cinema, I might have enjoyed it more. I think at the cinema, because I might have been a little bit more invested in it. And it's like, like you know, these other... But I just find myself... I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I just find myself looking at the screen... And I'm like, yeah, it's just not really, it's really, really not grabbing me. You know what I mean? It's really, just I don't know if it's the same films. Yeah. So obviously, um, I'm, you know, it's checking too easy out to be stuff. distracted sometimes when you are watching it, that two-hour yeah. film because it's it's too easy to be. I mean, distracted. oh yeah, I've just got to say this. I'm getting so good, I can watch TV, probably do something on the computer, and have the radio on. <laughs> um, have you ever seen have you ever seen a man who fell to earth with david barry when he's got all those tv screens oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i could i could do that i could so do that they, they did say that they reckon that that that, that uh, film predicted a bit of the future okay so so that that is the the high note to tracy ellis ross and dakota johnson i remember this film when it was released and it was one of the first films that bit the bullet and went we're not gonna be. We're not gonna see cinemas. We were aiming for a cinema release, and it was going to be a big thing because Tracy Ellis Ross. She does a lot of TV. She's in Blackish, which is a brilliant show that I love, and but she hasn't really done much film. And this was going to be her big thing, and because she's Diana Ross's um, daughter, and there was the whole thing about her okay. actually playing a singer in this film and all that, and so it was a big thing for her. And um, then COVID happened, and the, it was one of the ones that went, "Yeah, we're, we're going to home release. We're not gonna go to the. We're not gonna see the cinemas." And yeah. so, 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 so there's a difference there between, like I said, at the cinema, I probably would have gone and seen it because it would have been on, and I probably yeah. would have, would have, you know. But I probably enjoyed it more. Okay. All right. So quickly, quickly before or before a halfway point, um, I am going to talk about something that I've seen. And I okay, I have two things. I'm going to go with How to Ruin Christmas: The Wedding. This is a South African mini series. <laughs> it is it's a South African mini series on Netflix that kicks off, and the trailer kicks off the same way the the series kicks off, which is there's a woman who is in, uh, she's in a swimming pool, she's lying on a swimming pool, she's covered with something, and it's implied that she's naked underneath it. And she kind of like wakes up with the sun coming in in Johannesburg and everything, and there's people yelling at her, there's people standing at the side of the thing, There's what, and, and she kind of goes, uh, this, it's like, this isn't as bad as it looks, it's much worse. And then it rewinds, <laughs> it rewinds and goes like, you know, two days earlier. And the whole idea be, uh, behind it is that, um, She's she lives in Cape Town. She's flying up to Johannesburg, so it's kind of like going halfway up a country, flying back home to Johannesburg because her sister's getting married, and her sister is going to get married on uh, on Christmas Day. 
But with the way these things happen, there's like, it's going to be like a three-day extravaganza where they're going to have a traditional wedding, then they're going to have a white wedding, then they're going to have like a party afterwards. So it's three days. So it starts from the 23rd, then Christmas Eve, then Christmas Day. So the final thing is on the Christmas Day. The person she's getting married to is the son of one of the ministers in the South African government. And so he wants to make it this big extravaganza. Because oh, he's like, wow. He's like, the people of, extra- of South Africa need a big extravaganza and all that. And so it becomes one of these shows, one of these shows where it's just all about this big ensemble cast and all these different things that are going on that mean that this wedding is going to not quite work. <laughs> it's not going to quite work out. Because I think weddings are great storytelling and cinematic fodder there's just so much that can go on there and i absolutely loved this i think this is one of those things where i think the 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 cast and the ensemble you can see that because apparently this was filmed during the covid lockdown so they essentially have this huge massive resort to themselves they all isolated at the at the resort so that so they stayed in a bubble and I think you can you can see just in the ease of the relationships that they have. So the woman, the girl who's getting married, her mum has three siblings, like two other sisters and a and a brother. And the, there's one particular scene where they're sat down in a house watching TV, and my wife just looks to, looks at me and goes, "I can totally buy these people as a family, especially because they're, they're especially <laughs> because they're they're a black African family. And bear in mind that we are black Africans, so." <laughs> So we're watching this thing going, yeah, 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 that rings true. Yeah, that yeah, that rings true. Yeah, that definitely rings true. <laughs> and, I, and I think also the fact that it's set in Johannesburg, a place that you don't really get to see filmed this way. You don't really get to see um, South African actors well, black actors or black African actors act out these sort of storylines. And I think it's also it it does it, it isn't it isn't like an issue thing. This is something that just does not ever forget to be funny <laughs> and, and, and uh, i and i absolutely love that absolutely love it. if you watch the trailer it has some jokes in it they're really good and then i don't think they're the best thing in there so i would totally recommend um how to ruin christmas colon the wedding because <laughs> it's like oh because i i think it i think it's great i think it's good and i think if you want something a bit different from the kind of stuff that you usually watch in a different locale yeah give it a go give it a go but it yeah it, it's hilarious <laughs> i would give that a four out of five i'll give it a four out of five. Um, wow so yeah. okay so if we go back to sharon the you had something from last week which was a discovery of witches yes that's season two on sky yeah season two of sky of discovery of witches and then star trek discovery so let's talk season two of sky uh, discovery of witches i'll move star trek discovery to next week so uh yeah. So, uh, Disco- Discovery of Witches, this is a show that, um, you know, they had the first season a while back, and I just remember thinking, uh, what is this? Uh, I'm not sure if this is any good, or I'm not sure if this is my cup of tea. So, give us give us the basic idea of what this whole thing is, and why you the came back idea. for season two. Right, it's based on a, a trilogy of books by a lady called Deborah Harkness, called the All Souls Trilogy. Okay, say and no it, more, it's based on a book you're in. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, have, I did read all the books, so... Um, I, I understand, but it's a it's a new it's a world in which there are four species coexist together, and there are humans, vampires, witches, and demons, and they all coexist, and they have all coexisted throughout time, and they each have different aspects about them, and um, but as time has gone on, their powers have diminished, mm. and so the demons aren't as 
don't have their because they've all got specific powers that are unique to them and the sort of the demons are more prone to madness than ever before mm. they're always like wildly creative and so they, when you look back at history some of the great artists it turned out that they were demons and so they're not as creative as they once were but they're more prone to madness yeah. which is have lost that their powers so there aren't many of them who can draw they draw on the four elements you know the fire air and earth and wind and all this sort of stuff and so they are losing their powers and vampires can't make other vampires anymore and so the creatures are dying out and then one of these a witch the main character in our story um she's a is a professor at oxford university and one day she she happens to get access to a book that has been lost for centuries four or five hundred years it has been lost people have been trying to find this book for centuries but basically it comes to her she opens it and it it reveals all sorts of secrets and it basically triggers um her powers she had been what is called spellbound so her powers were restricted by her parents yeah and then having access to this book basically it released all her powers Ooh, and subtexts Ooh. and then because it released these powers it sent a ripple through all the creatures around so they all felt something was going on and that drew the attention of this vampire this who happens to be in Oxford as well and that's the main and then these the, the vampire and the witch meet each other and okay. that's where we start basically okay so far you're making it sound a little bit more than Twilight for adults which is how I have to admit it was being sold all of the uh, all the advertising, all of the publicity for this made it look like it's Twilight, but they're grown up. <laughs> yeah, there's an element of that in it because um, there's a whole bit about how Bella is like, you know, all oh, suddenly she's this ordinary girl, but then she's completely irresistible to all vampires. It's a whole Mary Sue thing, and in some ways, this is the same way with Diana. She's like, a, she's ordinary and she's great. She's in her thirties, and then suddenly it's like, oh, she's irresistible to all creatures because you know she's just something special about her. So it does fall into that whole Mary Sue trope, but it, yeah, so it does. It it, it falls into those, those okay. tropes. You can't deny it, it does. And the, and the vampire, he's not someone like, I don't know. Dracula. He's not like Ronnie Corbett, who was made immortal. And it's like, <laughs> you know, Ronnie Corbett, like before, isn't it, for a millennia, he still wouldn't be anything other than what he is. Um, but he is like tall, handsome, dashing. He's intelligent. He's wealthy. He's, you know, he's everything that's perfection in a, in a sort of a man. Yeah. And so, it had it falls into that trope that the and then it, all of the vampires tend to be you know they, they a few creepy ones are, are in there but most of them are you know handsome intelligent wealthy bleh. um and so it does fall into those tropes and you okay. think why would you know it, there's no other nosferatu type vampires in this they you know that doesn't happen um, but the backstories of the vampires are interesting one was like a crusader knight one was a Roman general. One was um, a surgeon in the American Revolutionary War. Um, Matthew, he was a he's a he's he's medieval. His sort of birthplace is in like the fifth or sixth century. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they have different backstories basically. Okay. So so why did you come up for season two? Uh, well, I had read the books and I was interested to see what it was. But part of this, the storyline in season two is that they want to try to find this book. After Diana sort of relinquishes this book, it then disappears. And they realise that the, uh, the solution to their problems of why demons are going mad, why witches are losing their powers, why vampires can't 
procreate anymore is hidden within the books. The secrets of you know, the fate of all creatures is within this book. And I think, well, if they can't find it in the present day, they can use some of the magic powers that she has realized she has to go back in time. And so in the second book, basically, Diana and Matthew go back to Elizabethan London to ah. find the book before it gets hidden within the library. And so they go back to 1590, and then you see most of the series, they are living within Elizabethan society, trying to find out what happened to the book before it got lost. Ah. And so they encounter Elizabeth I, they encounter, um, I'm trying to think his Lord, I'm trying to think Lord Cecil, but that's not his name. Raleigh? The Queen's Prime Monster, anyway. Okay. So Walter Riley, they meet. Yeah. They also meet Christopher Kit Marlowe. Um, he's one of Matthew's friends, oh. uh, and so yeah, so you've got this time, this time walking bit. So that's quite interesting. All right. So okay, how? So you've read the book, you've seen the TV show. Yeah. Does the does it do it justice to you in your mind? Yeah, I think it lifts the main points. Obviously, with a book, you get backstory, you get the feelings, you get a lot more detail, much more layers to it. Um, but they did manage to pick up on the keynotes. The key events you want to happen have happened. The relationships are there. And they drop enough breadcrumbs in this one to know that they actually read all three books so they know what's happening and that some things are important. Because one of the frustrations about book readers is, is when you know something is important in the book and it doesn't, in, it's not in the film. And then you think, well, if that doesn't happen, but that can't happen in book five or whatever. <laughs> so there's only book three. <laughs> there's only three books. So, But things that, that happen in this book have to happen in order for the events in the next book to happen. So they got all those bits in. All right. I mean, the biggest one for that is like Game of Thrones, for example. A lot of the things they set up in the first book are not in the film and are not in the television program. So you think, well, that means that can't happen because that didn't happen. And <laughs> the secret for me, and that's why I had the... the I gave up on Game of Thrones in the end because it just didn't make any sense. Why? Where is Tom Bombadil? Why is there no Tom Bombadil? Exactly. Where do they get their <laughs> weapons from if Tom doesn't give them to them? Yeah, so you've got these elements that you think you can get around some things, but other things you're thinking, well, that that determines their fate, ultimately. <laughs> okay. okay, so will you be back for season three and how many stars would you give it? Yes, I'll, I'll definitely watch it for season three. For the uninitiated, I would say I would give it a three because you have to watch all three. And honest, and it's entertaining. So I would say it's certainly entertaining and it's an, uh, there's enough in it to keep you going. Um, for the book, for, for the fans of the book, I'd probably say it was probably up, up in the fours for the book fans because there's enough of the book in there for you to go, yes, this is an adaption of this book. Yeah. Which is when you think... They've just taken a sort of like a, a, a veneer of the book and then done their own thing. This is like, no, this is the book. So I would say for the uninitiated three, for a fan of the books, four. So if you like the books, you'll like this. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, right. And now we go back to Sean. And Sean, you're going to tell us the next thing it was that, you know, disappointed you so much that you started watching Will Smith and Samuel Jackson on YouTube. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so okay. this was Burden on but Sky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we're going on to the 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 next film that I saw, um Burden, which is a 2018 film. Yeah. Um and yeah, that's what we're doing, yeah. Yes. And um so, so basically <laughs> did, you, like, did you see that? Did you see that short face? It's like that's what we're doing, yeah. I thought you were going to yeah. go and like you want it, to go where, where do we want to go? It's, it's um, like it's a, that's what we're so doing, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. If we if I have to. Yeah, if I, I have to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
that's the end of. <laughs> so, so, brilliant. Yeah, so this is, um, yeah, it, it's quite funny, the movies I've watched recently. It's, it, it's really interesting because I've actually, I mean, I say I haven't watched stuff. I've sort of half rewatched stuff, although I did have to say I did watch, although I missed the very beginning, I did watch the Starsky and Hutch with, um, you know, Stiller and... and and, and Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson, which yeah. I, I, yeah, which I really, I mean, I'm not really a comedy comedy person, but I watched that. Um, I quite enjoyed that. But anyway, back to Burden. So here's the story. This is a story. It's, it's like an orphan, and he's brought up, been brought up by a family by people who are in the Ku Klux Klan. So Ooh. Obviously, he's been indoctrinated. Yes. <laughs> so um, he's he, he's been brought up all the time. You know, he's he's he's, he's not well educated. He's not. Um, and then he, he he comes in place and, and this museum, the Ku Klux Klan, this is obviously in a, in a southern town, and the Ku Klux Klan open up a museum, South Carolina this is. So, I mean, South Carolina, that's like proper Trump country, isn't it? If we, yeah. you know, anyway, so this opens up. And then you've got um, Forrest Whitaker, who's who's like a preacher, because obviously uh, a population are getting really, really you know upset about this museum being here, but he doesn't want any trouble. And he calms it all down. So then we go back to this this young man who, the basically, the the clan want him to shoot this preacher. Oh yeah, this yeah. want him to shoot the preacher. And it, anyway, anyway, he he's, he's there's this high school girl, single single parent mother. He, he starts up a relationship with, and I mean that's quite nice. And uh, she says, look, you know, you're gonna have to give up your past. You're gonna have to give up your past and. He's like, oh, I don't know, and all that, because basically they've looked after him. They 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 they're paying the money for him to rent his house. They're paying the clan really. They're, they're essentially and his family. Then, eventually, his family, yeah. So this and obviously there's there's so much tension there because he's been a real. He's done some some nasty things, you know. He's beaten up people, and he's not. Anyway, he decides he's instead of killing this preacher, he 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 can't do it. He can't do it. So he decides that he's going to leave the clan, and there's this this, this big. Uh, scene where they go away, and then of course, so he loses his house. He can't. No one wants anything. Okay, to Sean. No Sean, how much of this film are you telling us now? How much of this film are you? Quite a lot. <laughs> are you? Are we like fifty percent through already? Uh, probably. Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 I mean... So, so this. So when you said, so when you yeah. talk about it, it's, it's kind of like a drama. It's, it's almost kind of like you know, uh, an issues drama. If you get what it's I mean. What? It's well acted, yeah. It's an issues drama, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I've got to say the next bit anyway, without being, you know, the actual, because where it's, I think even if you don't really know the story, it's, it's, you know, it's not like these aren't like spoilers or anything like this. Okay. Basically, what happens, what happens is he becomes homeless, and the preacher Forrest Whitaker decides he's going to take them in. Oh. So obviously his his sons. And all the people he lives with, and they are certainly, certainly not happy with this. Don't you know what he's done? Blah blah blah. So, I mean, that is basically. I was saying all that other stuff, but the the thing comes when the preacher, because he is, he he, he actually. This is based on a true story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just I just noticed. Moves in with the with the with the preacher, and obviously, you know, people aren't happy, but because they respect his father and all that, they're like. Oh, and do you know what he's done? What? He goes, oh, he's going to have to have your bedroom and all that. So, I mean, that's a story. It's a story of redemption. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's terrifically well acted. It's really, really, really well acted. And, I mean, I was this was one film. When I was saying about 
the other one was then I, I I was actually this one this one did grab me. It would have been one of those ones that I, if I'd have seen it at the cinema, it probably would have been really really better, and I'd have been raving about it. Mm. A bit like you know leave no leave no trace, anything like that. Oh yeah. So yeah, so this was this was um this would have been one of those films that, and I would have liked to have seen this at the cinema so I could have been totally totally immersed in this. But I thought that the acting was super, absolutely absolutely superb, absolutely really really believable what was happened. Um. So yeah, uh, I mean. So this, so this, Sean, this, okay. First of all, two things I want to say is that you said you want to see it at the cinema. Number one, once we're allowed once again, backyard cinema, Sean, make it happen, make it happen, make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> well, it. I, I, that's that's it. So uh, summer well, evening, finish. back of your house. As soon as I can, as soon as it can happen, I've got the whole lot lined up. I'm gonna have the the, the but just, you know Is premiere. I'm, I'm gonna have the big premiere. I'm gonna get one of those little. I seen them. They used to be in. I know it doesn't exist anymore. Maplins used to get like those light boxes with, you know, like yeah. you see. Yeah, American, yeah, yeah. Now American showing. Theater, yeah. Right outside with the, with the now showing. Now showing. You know, <laughs> double, double feature, black and white. So yeah. So we're gonna, um, we're, gonna, we're gonna have the. That's coming. That's coming. We're gonna have the Harris I'm Island really, really Film Festival. Festival. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm so so missing cinema. I really am big time. Uh, you know, I mean, I've. I've yeah, no, I, 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 just, I think. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think we all are. You know, I think, I think, we, I think we're are. there with you. We're there with you, man. Because I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to how we started our conversation, yeah, yeah. I just get the feeling you say about that concentrating on that two-hour film. I find it much easier just to put an app, something on for an hour, and then you think, okay, that I'm committed to an hour. Whereas mm-hmm. when you think, okay, I'm going to have to commit to two hours to watch this, it seems sure. much more of an effort. Yeah. And even though we've seen, we should have more time on our hands than we know what to do with it still feels like it's a bit of an effort yeah. to do it. So I understand you completely. Yeah, no, Sharon, Sharon, you've done better than me. I've started looking for things that are less than 30 minutes. Which the next thing I will review will, it falls t- totally into that c- category. So Sharon, the last thing is like, how many stars would you give it? How many stars would you give Burden? Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give this one a four star because I really, I, I, yeah, I'm going to give this one a four star. And I think, you know, I mean, just purely, purely for the, the convincing acting I thought was terrifically well acted and you know all the bits even the there wasn't huge amounts of violence in it but the violence it was was you know and and it wasn't graphic violence it wasn't yeah. graphic violence for violence sake but it was still believable you know it wasn't like the the, the silly western punch-ups but and it, but it was and it wasn't like the the Rambo Rambo killings and that but it was enough it was enough to do you know what I mean it was yeah it was yeah. there yeah. it was it was there so Oh. You know, just for for me, it just worked really well, and um, and yeah. I, I thought this was a good good movie. Yeah, Forrest Whitaker is one of those actors who, a few years ago, you're thinking, yeah, he does some good stuff, and then he seemed to go down that path where a lot of his stuff seemed to be samey, and you're thinking, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what? Yeah. I think I've seen this performance before, and so yeah. when I see that for he was in it, I was thinking, oh, I'm not sure yeah, about that it, because. Uh, yeah. You you get to that point where you're thinking, yeah, you know what? I think I've seen all that he has to offer, and then you think, I prob- but I probably underestimated him that he actually can yeah. still produce good yeah. work. But you get the feeling think... that he plays the same role just in a different film with a different actor. <laughs> yeah, the last time I think I saw Forrest Whitaker in a movie was the old um, Rogue, Rogue One. One, where he goes, where he goes, Paul Gullis, <laughs> nice, <laughs> treachery. <laughs> 
yeah, oh. yeah. And 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 yeah. to back up Sharon's Sharon's um point, the last time I saw him in the film was in Black Panther, where he plays pretty much the same role. Yeah, he was in that. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's it, like, yeah. and it, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. Plays Big Brother Zero, shows up, says a couple of things, does it, then dies. Uh, sorry, spoiler, <laughs> but it. So yeah, and, and I have to admit, it has been a while since I've seen Forrest Whitaker do something that's rather than, oh my god, it's Forrest Whitaker. So, <laughs> all right, cool. So, um, yeah. but uh, but okay, so going back to what you were saying, Sharon, about. The whole two hours thing, and I, I'm beginning to feel like when they came up with cinema, there was a psychology behind it to the way like the fact that it's it's cutting off being the fact that you're in, it's almost like a sensory deprivation tank. You're cutting off a whole bunch of things. You're cutting off outside um, things getting in touch with you. You're cutting off like anything else that you can see because you're just focusing on this big one thing in front of you, and it's 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 almost it's it's like a mind trick on you which has made me and it's made me realize okay it's definitely definitely a different experience to watching something at home you can still experience you can you can appreciate the story and you can understand something is a great film but um but it is different being in cinema and talking about my uh my terrible terrible attention spans to where the point where uh i've started looking at even tv shows that last like an hour and i'm like oh for goodness sake an hour i can't do that for an hour <laughs> i'm like where's all the half hour stuff which I, I i'm really really like it at the moment i'm really getting into sitcoms because sitcoms you can put them on and you really don't have to watch them yeah. you yeah. don't have the you don't really have to look at the screen and say what happened what, what, what did he pick something up is, is that going to be important is that going to be important for the story i'm like no stop making me things that like you know that i have to pay attention i don't want to do that so i well started looking for things that are shorter than half an hour which is why i've been watching danger mouse on bbc iplayer <laughs> the new danger mouse is quite funny by the way and um, with alexander armstrong with alexander armstrong as yeah. as danger mouse and stephen fry as colonel k <laughs> it's <laughs> and you keep you keep having all these little sort of like cameos and stuff that come in and people do voices like Le- lena is it lena heady um, who plays yeah. Cersei in Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she comes in. She does a voice, and you don't realize it's her. People just come in and do the voices at, at, without without making a big song announcement about the fact that it's them. Um, but anyway, also on BBC iPlayer, I started watching Staged, which is uh, yes, yeah, David Tennant, David Tennant, and Michael Sheen. Michael and, Sheen. Yeah, and it's and the the whole idea behind Staged is that this was this was conceived, filmed, and everything was done in the lockdown. Oh, both of my shows were done that in the lockdown. But this was this was leaning to the fact that it is a pandemic. It is. And the whole idea is that David Tennant and Michael Sheen were rehearsing for a play when lockdown was announced. And the director of the play, because this was his first his first chance, his biggest chance that he had to actually work with these actors to put a play on in the West End. He's trying to think, oh, is there any way? Can we just keep doing so? He says, let's keep rehearsing the play, but let's keep rehearsing the play over Zoom. So most of what you see on stage is essentially the Zoom screens. Like at the moment, we're looking at a Zoom screen with the three of us on it. And almost all of stage is David Tennant in London, Michael Sheen in Wales somewhere. And it's just them having a discussion about the whole thing. And it makes some jokes about the way Zoom works and everything. And it is hilarious. It is The the episodes last like 15 minutes, 18 minutes, something like that. And it's... I think if you're into theater, if you're into acting or anything like that, they do do a whole bunch of like, you know, actory things. And there's a whole bunch of actory in jokes about how, how spoiled brass actors are and all that sort of stuff. And they play all these, these weird versions of themselves because they're playing, David Tennant is playing David Tennant. 
machines playing by machine and the fact that they're also like locked down in their houses david tennant's wife georgia tennant shows up michael sheen's um girlfriend shows like they're real as themselves show up and it it's the way it interacts and i think the scripting is just brilliant i think the scripting is just they have some cameos where they have some people who i think it's best to not look up who's in this show before you watch it because there's some people that when they show up on screen you're like what <laughs> and the way that they show up because i i don't want to give any spoilers whatsoever but there's some people that, that show up and the way they interact with david Tennant and michael sheen hilarious so i would say everybody go what I, I saw season one there's a second season which uh yeah, they, they a couple yeah they they've told the i've heard the um the synopsis for the second season and i'm not so sure about the direction that went with the second season but the first season hilarious i i love it i think it's great don't look up who's in it just watch just watch the thing and they are i think the longest one is probably about 18 minutes or something like that but they're they're short sharp they don't overstay their welcome and yeah they're good they're really good so that's what i would say with that go watch staged cool yeah i like i like i like both i like michael sheen yeah yeah. he's he's really really versatile he He is he is stupidly versatile. <laughs> it's, yeah, stupid. That's exactly the word. When you see yeah. the variety of things he's been in, you think, yeah. Can that, how is that the same person? Yeah, but he I, looks at I mean, Kenneth William yeah. and then be in the Twilight thing. That's right. And then like Brian Clough in The Beautiful Game. I mean, the yeah, Damn United. I mean, like, Tony Blair. Think of it, Damn United. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn United. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's Tony Blair, like, David Frost. And it's, yeah, I know. Yeah, they, I, essentially, he's the kind of person who I'm like, I think he can almost do anything. I mean, if yeah, he, if uh, if he wasn't for the fact that, like you know, um, it would be problematic, he could probably play Black Panther. I mean, he, yeah. <laughs> he could, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, yeah, if if it wasn't if it wasn't for the fact that that would just be like really really insulting, uh, but but I bet you he could do it. But it's uh, it's so yeah. But I, th- I think they're they're really good. I think the show is actually quite well. It's quite well conceived. It's quite well done, and it plays along with the fact of some of the Zoom things that have now become normal parts of everyday life it plays with the idea of what lockdown does to you like uh about how it makes people restless and what people actually do how they're hope how they're coping with it there's there's uh there's a hilarious riff that turn that just carries on through because there's i think eight episodes in the first season about michael sheen drinking too much and then trying to hide his bottles in his neighbor's recycling so that people don't realize so, so that it doesn't hit the tabloids that say oh michael sheen's a lush <laughs> it doesn't and it's yeah and the way that and i think that the way that they build on that whole thing that whole thing is masterful i think it's absolutely masterful so uh, yeah i would say go watch it so i believe that is it from us this week and until next week when okay we shall talk about d- discovery i'm guessing this is discovery season three Season three, yeah. Yeah, I'm about halfway through that. I keep going away and doing something else. Like oh, yeah, and... <laughs> I had to watch and... the last four as a marathon because I just thought, oh, get on with it. <laughs> yeah, I felt a little bit like that. Oh, that's a little bit of a preview for next week. And and where we also get to talk about Miss Juneteenth, if I can find somewhere to watch it. So it's a, um, it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye for me. And it's a goodbye from me. Thank you very much for joining us on Netflix vs. Cinema. Thank you for staying this long. Please do get in touch with us online on our Facebook page, on Twitter, Netflix via Cinema everywhere. And uh, yeah, 
get in touch with us and let us know what it is you have been watching and whether you think film is the same on TV. Goodbye.